Hello and welcome to The Point of Everything. My name is Ono Sullivan and today's guest on the show is Alva Reddy. She's just released a new song called The Tube and she's been one of my favourite acts for the year. So I thought, who better to talk to now that she has a new song out than Alva Reddy. She's also going to be touring as well. She's doing an Irish tour starting in uh, Belfast's Black Fox Studio on October 18th. She's in Galway's Roisin Dove on October 19th. Cypress Avenue in Cork on the 20th of October and finishing up the Irish tour in Whelan's in Dublin on October 21st. Then she's in Liverpool, Bury, Leeds, Shrewsbury, Bristol and ending in St Pancras Old Church in London on November 2nd. And that, she says in the interview with me, is going to be that for the rest of the year. So if you want to catch Alva Ready live, this is your last chance in 2017. She has had an amazing year. She released the Attached to Memory EP in the summer and Fingertips is one of my songs of the year, probably rivaled by the tube. I just think she's just doing really, really great things right now. Uh, when I called her up, she had just gotten some bad news about her car, which isn't what somebody wants to hear when they're planning on doing an Irish tour a week later. So she persevered. She fought through the pain and anger for a really, really nice chat just about her career to date from being a shy teenager listening to folk and Foo Fighters to becoming this power force in Irish music. One of my favorite acts uh, around right now. I don't know about favorite new act of the year, but she's certainly one of my favorite full-time acts of the year. I can't wait to see her uh, live. Hopefully I'm going to get to see her live on this tour, but if I can't, you certainly should. She's going to be amazing. Her new song is called The Tube and it's available now on all of those platforms such as Spotify where she has 2.5 million plays at the moment and yeah, this is Alva Reddy chatting about uh, everything today, playing all of the festivals and what's next for her. So yeah, you have a new song, The Tube, that's just after coming out. Is it nice to kind of get a new song out in the world? It is, yeah. I've released Fair Amount this year. It's the sixth, sixth song I've released. So um, yeah, it's good to get another one out there just to close off the year, I guess. Are, are you going through like a particularly creative process this year that you have so many songs or? I just kind of be in the lucky position. Um, I mean, before this, I was working in an office and also trying to record so it's just I'm in the lucky position to be able to do it full time now so I'm just able to write more and work with my band more and uh, you know record more I just have more time to do it all. Wow that must have been like an amazing feeling actually being able to leave your job for music. Yeah terrifying but great. Yeah why terrifying is it just like oh what if it doesn't work out or. Yeah and just you know um Music hasn't been known in the last few years to be uh, financially stable. The arts in general isn't great for uh, having a stable financial background. (laughs) Does it feel like it's changing, though? Is it like just because the recession is over or something that there might be a little bit more money floating around so more people are like leaving their jobs and trying to make it in music? Or is it just something like like I know that you signed a worldwide publishing deal with uh, BDI music, WBDI music. Yeah. Um, so is it just Irish acts in particular kind of looking further afield and like it's becoming more of a sustainable idea? I think we've like seen a lot of very successful Irish acts in the last few years and they've kind of put it forward for people who kind of wouldn't have gone abroad and like looked for these deals a few years ago. It's kind of opened up for Irish artists a bit more, I think. I mean, a few years, like maybe a few years ago, I don't think people would have thought like, yeah, I can totally go and sign with a London label or anything like that I think 
you know, people seeing like people like Hosier and all the rest and like James and Zygmar, like go, go further afield and get these opportunities. It's kind of made people kind of go, Hey, maybe I can do that. Um, so the tube, the tube is kind of the first song that you've released since you signed this deal is, does that kind of kick in straight away? Like how does it change the release of a song? Well, um, I was working on that song to release already. Um, I mean, I know the technical, technical insights, like they kind of like help me and they like uh, push everything forward and they're kind of like helping me like more as like a songwriter than, um, than anything else. So like they're they're in charge of my songwriting. Oh really? So it's like less about yeah. Oh, so like, do you is it still like one hundred percent you, or is it kind of like seventy five percent you now? Oh no, I've written. I wrote that whole song myself. Yeah. Okay. So how how do they help out with the with the songwriting? I'm just interested. Like it sounds well, just like... um, just giving me advice and stuff. Like I brought stuff in and got advice from them on like uh like a few different songs and they were like, Oh, I think if you want to go this route, this song will be good. And if you want to go another route, this song would be good. And so I chose the tube just cause it was a bit more up tempo and a lot of the stuff I released earlier on the year was less. So, um, it, it sounds great. Anyway, do you, did, is that like more of a recently written song or were they kind of all written together? This song and the stuff off, uh, the attached to memory EP. Oh yeah. This was written after attached to memory. And so did you, did you feel like something was different when you were writing it, when you were creating it? Yeah, I mean, I think I was trying to go for something a bit, not poppier, but as in like, um, I wanted to put it forward something that was like kind of poppier, but like still honest. Do you know what I mean? I didn't want it to be like poppy with no substance. I wanted it to be like kind of poppy, but like still has like kind of a dark message hidden in there. <laughs> Yeah, you say it's a song about struggling to express yourself, which must in itself be kind of a difficult thing to express. Yeah, exactly. Well, as in like pretty much that's um, the whole thing about it was just like kind of the things that you do for people when you don't really know what to say to them. Like as in, so you'll kind of like walk them stupid distances to get places or you'll give them lifts, like drop them places if your car isn't broken down. Um, you'll give them lifts places and you do all these like things for people because you just don't really know what to say to them that's how I feel anyway I'm always like doing like little like little gestures for people because I don't really know what else to do because I can't express myself in other way than being like uh I'll drive you to the airport <laughs> you know what I mean it sounds like you're a really good friend yeah I mean well maybe maybe it might, <laughs> might be good every once in a while to just say uh yeah probably I probably do a lot of favors for people because I just don't know what else to do <laughs> <laughs> Well, it's amazing that you are doing, still doing favors for people considering the year that you've had so far. I think like so many people would absolutely, like so many other musicians would kill for the year you've had. We'll we'll talk a little bit more in depth about that. But first, I saw uh, yesterday you were like tweeting about a super, you've got super fans now. Oh, that was a friend. That's a friend of mine. Oh, you're, yeah, you've got a yeah, street team. Yeah, my friend. Team. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She 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 put that up as her Twitter uh, Twitter <laughs> page thing. Um, very very funny because she's like she said that she looked at her um Twitter page and she doesn't really use it for anything else, but she just like likes and retweets everything that I say or everything <laughs> I do or anything about me. And she was like, pretty much the whole thing just is like a shrine to you. So I may as well put myself down as an already enthusiast. Well, this is only the start, though. You know, you're gonna you're gonna have these eventually. Yeah, next year, hopefully, it'll be someone that I didn't grow up with. 
<laughs> hopefully, hopefully you're ready for that. I don't know what that must feel like. I mean, I don't know if I am ready for that. I said that and immediately took it back and was like, no, actually, I don't think I ever want someone to be an enthusiast of that degree. Yeah, keep keep your distance, folks. Yeah, <laughs> uh, be like like the music, but don't be too interested in music recently. That's fine. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, so let's talk about how like Alvaretti and quote marks kind of started out. When did you start making music? Um, I always did. Um, like when I was a kid growing up, my mum got us all to get uh, piano lessons from like the age of four, and I kind of did that, and I always really liked it. But you know, like music back then, I wanted to listen to like Red Hot Chili Peppers and stuff when I was like a nine-year-old. Um, so I really liked all that kind of music and then um, I begged my parents to get me guitar lessons and eventually I did when I was 12 and I was just but the whole time I was always writing songs they were obviously awful but like I was always writing stuff that was the real draw for me for learning any instrument is to like learn these chords yeah yeah learn how to play like uh, imagine on piano but then like tear it apart and use the chords to write my own things so did you just stop playing piano then once you started picking up the guitar um, well, we still had a piano in my house growing up, so I still would have played and I still would have dabbled with that. Um, and like, I still would like love, I, I kind of, I can play rudimentary keys pretty much, but I'd be more of a guitarist. Uh, who, who did you want to be when you picked up the guitar? Um, I don't know. Uh, like I really loved when I, I started learning guitar, I was like a massive fan, like Foo Fighters, Red Chili Peppers, uh, a big mix of things like as in I would have like listened to all those people because my I have two older sisters and I would have listened to whatever they were listening to yeah and um, but I also would have listened to whatever my mom was listening to which would have been like Queen so I was big into Brian May and then Queen and like Tin Lizzy and like Bob Dylan and <laughs> like yeah just all people like that Glenn Campbell. Glenn Campbell so I was like listening to all this kind of like folky stuff that my mom was putting on as well as all the kind of like uh, I guess like cool new stuff that my sisters were listening to because they were teenagers and I was just a kid. <laughs> and so it's probably kind of an unusual mix because like the kids my age were not like we're listening to kind of Westlife. And I was this weird kid who had loads and loads of other weird stuff. Loads and loads of weird CDs that I'd stolen off my sisters. They probably don't look as weird now, I bet, looking back. No. And I remember going to like, as in just like being in school and someone would ask like look at my ipod this is like secondary school and they'd be like oh you just have like the weird music and then now people are like oh yeah that band's great and i'm like what you're absolute jerks <laughs> uh so, so were, were you uh the person that everybody came to for like oh what's what's alba listening to now oh no not at all oh they avoid they avoided what you were listening to no, I think like most people, I think I just probably was like, because I was still listening to loads of really old stuff when I was like 16 and stuff. I wanted to listen to loads of folk and folk wasn't really cool. So like, there was that big folk revival a few days later. But um, no, I don't think I, I was never a tastemaker for anyone. Uh, what kind? What was the One folk day. revival like? Um, like Mumford and Sons? Yeah, yeah, totally. Like as when I was like listening to Mumford and Sons, I remember seeing a video of them on Balcony TV back in like 2006 or seven or something. I think they were amazing. And then they just exploded a few years later. And then loads of people were really into them. And I was like, well, what are you talking about? I've been listening for, I've been trying to get people to listen to these guys for ages. That kind of thing. So that was like the folk kind of revival, like uh, was great because it was all the stuff that I'd been listening to all of a sudden was popular. 
And and so was it just kind of a case that your music playing was kind of gravitating that way and then like uh, the music world was kind of gravitating that way as well? It kind of, a, a light kind of went off yeah. in your head? Um, I think that I was always kind of writing kind of folkier songs just because like my upbringing would have been very much listening to like all those kind of, like my mum was like really into like Bob Dylan and uh, Glenn Campbell and people and like Don McLean and stuff like I said and like yeah, all those kind of like real songwriters and and like Jenny Mitchell and stuff like that so like I would have always been kind of gravitating towards that anyway and I think no matter how far I deviate genre wise I'll still have like kind of a folk centre because like the songs will always be kind of that central storytelling and and so when you're writing a song now like you said that you wanted the tube to be more poppy is it kind of just trying to get out of that folk sensibility like you've got to leave like half of the song behind to make it what you want it to be um, not quite like as in, I don't think that I've like cut anything out to make it like that I just kind of like I wanted the song to be kind of uh, maybe popular than we were quite punchy like I like the like the let me walk into the tube it's like quite punchy and then it like there's thing I can say to you that like, kind of opens up into this kind of like really open and still quite folky thing. So I kind of like that. I think, I mean, I usually just like start off with an idea of a song um, and then I go with lyrics and then I go with music. So like the music is always going to uh, reflect whatever I've kind of written down to begin with. Uh, it's it's funny that you're talking about like the folk revival of the like you know, 2006, seven, eight. Um, like I was talking mm. to Eve Agabons last week. I don't know if you know them, but like that's kind I of, do, yeah. it's it's almost like hardcore folk. You know, it's very much a real mm. throwback to like 60s and 70s. And then you have Lancomer releasing their, uh, well, their first album as Lancome on Friday as well. And that's like a, the, a similar type of thing. So it, it does kind of seem like Ireland is going through like an Irish folk revival at the moment. I don't know if you have any thoughts on that. Uh, yeah, totally. I think there was like a big thing still kind of going on with us during the kind of kind of worldwide folk revival as well. Like, as in, like you know, like um, even if it's not like pure folk, uh, it's always some influence stuff. But I think that's like an Irish songwriting thing anyway. Do you get what I mean? There's always gonna be a lot of like songwriters here who are kind of folk based. Yeah. Who, Just because it's like in our probably heritage in a way or what, for lack of a better word. People who are brought up like in sessions and sessions. Yeah, exactly. And like, you know, like all Irish music is, you know, maybe like trad or whatever, but there's still that kind of like folk base or like, you know, if you're going to call folk, like any kind of storytelling is folk. So I think that most Irish bands are going to come from that thing, even if they're mixing other genres with it, which I think like mixing other genres with it, it's fantastic. It's like a very... Um, malleable genre to work with. Like that's kind of what you want to do. You want to kind of bring it into an, uh, another direction. Yeah, and like it doesn't matter if I deviate from folk or whatever. It's just going to keep. Like for me, it was never about the genre of folk. It was more about like I wanted to write like good songs that still had like meaning to them. Because for me, like lyrics are everything. So if like I'm listening to a song I like and I don't like the lyrics, even if they're simple. Um, and I do like them, like as in a simple like pop song that I like the lyrics to is great um, for me or whatever. But if like, it's a song that I just, if they're a lyric grinds at me, I can't listen to it. What are you listening to? What are you listening for lyrically? Is it just like something to connect to? Or is it like... It's me, something I can relate to. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you, you mentioned... Or just like 
sometimes you hear like a standout lyric in a song and you just keep getting drawn back for like one word. I mean, I think that's great. Yeah. Like, um, I don't know. I don't want to put you on the spot now, but like what, what songs in your head right now are kind of like, oh, yeah, that that's what you mean when you're talking about like a great song lyrically. Um, have you ever heard of always or always or whatever? Like it's always spelled with two V's instead of a oh, W. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, like there's they have some like great lyrics and they're really unusual. Like um, like it's like there's have a song called like In Undertow or like uh, Archie Marry Me all that kind of stuff. And like they're just you wouldn't hear those lyrics anywhere else. Mm. Okay. Like someone sat down and written that from their own personal experience. I'm like, or even it doesn't have to be like you know or the way they phrased it is really unusual. Like, I, and I just think that's kind of cool. Like, that's what, for me, it might not be for everybody, but I'm sure there are some people like this. But for me, like, I go back to music. Yeah, obviously it has to sound good, but, like, the sound of it is what you draw, draws you in, but, like, the lyrics are what make you stay or keep coming back. Mm. Um, always, that was, uh, when you premiered the song on Ear Milk, you also did a playlist with, like, sing-along ratings for all of the, all of the songs that you picked oh, as yeah, well. Oh, yeah, yeah. So, so, Always was the I first track. I love the myself, yeah. <laughs> always was the first track that you, that you, uh, had on the playlist. Um, it ends yeah. with Lauren Hill, which you give a 15 out of 10 sing-along rating. Impossible not to sing along with that song. It's like... <laughs> I like blare that on my car radio and like just like screaming it out the window the whole time. It's ridiculous. I think singing in your car is probably like it's the most freeing and best way to sing along Joyous. to songs. Yeah, you you hear the songs Joyous. completely different as well. I think. Yeah, yeah, and you can blare it out, and even if other people don't want to hear you, you can be like, "Doesn't matter if you want to hear me or not. I am like screaming along with Lauren Hill in my car, and you can't stop me." <laughs> um, so when did you decide to kind of I'm I'm going to push harder for the music side of things you were like always playing guitar as a teenager yeah I, I was a crushingly shy as a teenager um, like awfully shy like as in you couldn't get a word out of me so I just like never had the guts really to play a gig and then I went into college and the kind of the same story. Like I, I think I joined a music society in, I went to UCD. Um, and I went to, I remember I joined a music society and they had an open mic gig and I went to it and I just kind of stood at the back and I left. And I did that a good few times. I opened my, kind of went and stood at the back and left just because I watched other people play and be like, they were better than me. Like, I'm going to, I'm going to make a fool of myself. I don't know how I'm going to do this even though like I liked what I was writing and stuff like that. Um, and then it was only, I played with my friend Matt, who I've known since I was like four. And we started playing kind of like a duo and he kind of convinced me and into playing a gig with him. And I played a gig with him and I realized it wasn't so bad. And then I started, I mean, I only played my first gig, a solo gig when I was 22. Where was that? The Globe. The Globe. Was that another like open mic night? Um, yeah, well, like the, I, I only played two songs or something, and yeah. But it must have just been, yeah, like really freeing and like, like, yeah, just really nice to know that you can do this, like just pushing through that barrier of actually playing for other people. Yeah, and it was kind of, I mean, like sometimes I kick myself for not going and doing it earlier, but at the same time, I think the fact that I had like people had such a positive reaction to what I played when I started off, like, I remember I started off playing, like, every time I played a gig, I got another gig from it, um, which is a great way to start off. I think maybe if I started a few years earlier, the songs wouldn't have been as particularly good, and maybe I wouldn't have gotten that positive reaction. 
So maybe it was good that I waited. Who knows? Well, like, I'm going to stick to that story. It's going to be good that I waited because I don't have a time machine. <laughs> um, you could have been a teenage sensation, but like, it's, it's good to do it later in life. Yeah, I feel like I'm more grounded now. Does like does the songwriting improve like with every gig that you play? Like, I mean, instantly when you're playing live in front of other people, I don't know if people give you feedback or actually, you know, what you should be doing is this blah, blah, blah. I mean, how how does the songwriting actually improve as you're going along? Um, well, I always think like the way I look at it is like a song in the studio can come into its own. Like when you're recording in the studio, a song can come into its own. But a different type of song can come into its own when you're playing live. Like as in, like there's some songs that I'll play live that are good songs and recorded, they're great or whatever, but they just kind of fall flat live. So I think like playing songs live can kind of give them a new, like they they can come into their own that way. And like there's some songs, like I suppose like The Tube is a song that I kind of wrote when I was going to lots of festivals and stuff like that and playing lots of festivals. And I was like, I want like another kind of, I want something more kind of, up tempo for my set because like festivals and stuff like that is you're playing stuff like lecture picnic you kind of want something up tempo with a band and everything like that it's just like funner to play um so i think i don't know that's definitely influenced the way i write because i think more about how an audience responds but at the same time i mean you don't want to think about it too much because you don't want to be just writing your songs completely around like what you think how you think people are going to react because then you lose all honesty yeah you you do have this thing of like bands are you know, they say, oh, we, we're more of a, a record studio band or we're more of a live back act. I guess that that's kind of roughly, you're kind of like in the middle. Yeah, I kind of want to be both. Like, as in, I personally, like, you know, I, touring is really tough and there's a lot of gigs and you're doing a tour, you know, like five of the gigs might be not great. and But then one gig will be amazing. And um, that's what, like, keeps you coming back. And playing live shows is kind of keeps you in touch with people as well, because otherwise you could, I could I could end up going into a hole and like recording demos and all this kind of stuff. And my music could be totally end up being totally berserk because I didn't I wasn't playing it live and I wasn't realizing what people actually connect to. Because it's not even like what's marketable or whatever to me. It's like I have a song called Coffee and every time I play it, someone comes up to me and says, I fell in love with my barista as well. Like, you know, people will come up to me and say that they like that song because that reminds them of this time or their friend or their boyfriend or their girlfriend or whatever. And, like, that's really nice. And that song isn't, like, a poppy song or whatever, but that song's, like, a song that connects with people. And I think, like, playing live gigs is, like, what keeps you connected. But I do love, like, my happy place is definitely the studio. Like, I love going to the studio to record. Uh, Like, I mean, I've never been in the studio to record, but whenever I hear people talking about it, it sounds like in one way it's this magical experience, but then in the other, like you're doing a hundred takes of like one song. It must be maddening as well in another respect. Um, I love singing. So if I have to go in and do a hundred vocal takes, I'm like, I think it's so much fun. Oh, okay. Um, but do- then I also, I, I don't really like getting like a perfect vocal, if you know what I mean. I'll go in and do like very few takes. I don't ever like having a perfect vocal. I think like it, I, I don't like anything to sound like too processed or generic or whatever. So I like if there's like cracks in your voice or something going like a teeny bit, you know, off. Yeah. I like that. Um, you you released your debut EP, Hollowed Out Sea, last year. Uh, what did that kind of allow you to do then? Was it just being able to like have something to sell at gigs? 
Um, no, I was releasing that to just, I mean, I don't, I knew so little when I was recording that. Um, I mean, I just, I'd just been booked for Hard Rock and Glass Eras for the first time. And that kind of kicked off a lot of things for me. But yeah, I started recording that and it took me like almost a year to finish. Um, and I just kind of spent probably like eight months just recording it and bringing people down. And I do it like for, you know, two days, every few weekends, we'd go down and do lots of stuff on it and kind of put it together. And it was real kind of like collaborative work with um, Dara Nolan, who produced it. And also like a few of my friends, like Callum, Callum Moore, who releases on EP as well. And a few other friends and a few guys from like basketball and stuff like that. And we were all going down and we were like riding different parts and doing different parts. And um, it was just a really nice experience because it wasn't, I wasn't really doing it to put it towards anything. Right, I didn't yeah. think it would, would take off the way it did. I think that's how you get your most kind of honest work. So I kind of thought like, yeah, this is a really nice EP by the time I finished it. But I'd like released um, a kind of demo EP before that. And like that, you know, nothing had happened with that. So I had no reason to expect that holiday sea was going to kind of do as well as it did. Like I couldn't believe when I started taking off on Spotify and stuff, I had to get ring my friend Amy and ask her if my computer was broken. <laughs> uh, it wasn't broken. You've got like over two and a half million listens on Spotify or something like that. That's like, it's mad to think about. That's heaps. Yeah, that's a load. <laughs> that's a load of listens. Um, so like, was Alba Ready, the band, like always just you or when did, when did people start coming on board? Did it start out as like a fully fledged band? And uh, no, it started out a few years ago. It was like me playing a few solo gigs and then I started doing solo gigs with, um, a friend Callum who was like doing backing vocals and like second guitar for me. And then I brought in keys and then I went back to being solo and just kind of going back and forth, but I still play a lot of solo gigs as well. Um, and I think it's really important to play solo gigs because I think you see the song for what it is and not all the flourishes and stuff because like I still write my songs like just me and my guitar or me and keyboard or whatever and I think that's it's really inco- important for me for me anyway to be able to always strip back the songs to that and um, any song I write I still want to be able to strip it back and play it myself um, but yeah like I and then I, I developed like a full band before I launched um, Holiday Sea last year um, w- w- d- does the does the stage still kind of hold any reservations I guess for you or are you like fully at home now on the stage like whether it be with the band or solo um, I don't know if I'll ever be fully at home because like, sometimes I walk on and I feel great and it's amazing and it's just so easy for me and other times I'm like oh my god yeah I mean, just it depends on what the like. Um, I sound crazy, but it's in like it totally depends on what the energy is in the room. Oh, really? You know, like if it's only like a half full room, or if everybody is just there for like to have pints and stick at the stay at the bar yeah. and chat. Like, I'd always say I'd rather play to twenty people who are listening than two hundred people who don't give a shit. I mean, always. Yeah, it it sounds like um over the summer like as you mentioned, you've played so many festivals as well. It sounds like you're getting more and more people who are listening and who are giving a shit about you. Like, what What did you enjoy? Did you actually enjoy playing all those festivals? It seemed like every, every week I was seeing you at a different, fe- like I was seeing you on social media at a different festival. Yeah. Um, I was like, well, you wrote every single one. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm a super fan. Uh, <laughs> the super fan. Yeah, yeah. I was like, that's the super fan you're talking about. Um, yeah, no, I obviously loved some of them and some of them... I, I didn't have any bad experiences, though. 
Um, but uh, oh, like playing electric picnic, like I played so many festivals over the summer, not at home. So kind of in like Spain and France and uh, the UK and stuff, and then kind of finished off the festival season really in um, at electric picnic on the other voices stage, and that was just the best gig ever because people were like actually singing along to some of the songs. Wow. It must be such a nice feeling not, to see that. Yeah. I honestly never expect to see anyone other than like, I don't know, like my close friends <laughs> singing along to my music. And then I was like, hey, and even when I was over in the UK, I played a uh, festival in Manchester. Like I saw a few people singing along and I was like, how the hell do you know this? But thank you. <laughs> so so you actually do see this like from the stage. You're able to see the people singing along. It must be hard to like uh, not go, ah, oh my God, what are you doing? Yeah, well, I actually kind of do, like, after the song, I'm always like, hey, you, you person, you little sneaker. But, yeah, no, it's just such a weird thing. You just, I don't think, I think you'd be a very weird person if you ever expected people to be singing along with your music. Yeah. Um, it's such an unexpected and, like, kind of overwhelming thing, but, like, overwhelming in a good way. Like, it's completely awesome. I Like, there was no point when I was growing up or anything or when I decided to give music a shot that I thought I'd ever be playing to people who knew the words. Yeah. Like a real pinch me moment. Yeah. Um, I wanted to ask you in particular about Glastonbury, just because Glastonbury seems like, you know, the the granddaddy of all of the festivals. And you played there this year. Yeah, definitely. Uh, like, did mm. it live up to expectations? I was absolutely terrified because I'm like, I'm not like big festivals really scare me. Like, as in scare me, like I'm not like terrified of crowds or anything, but as in I'm like, I much prefer smaller festivals. And I kind of thought it was just going to be like lost in the whole thing. But it's such a lovely festival. And it's all kind of split up into like little villages and stuff. And all the people there are having such a great time. And it's so nice and so clean and so organized. I was blown away. The The people were so clean and organized or the festival itself was clean and organized? Both. <laughs> um, no, people were so nice. And then like all the people working there were so lovely and organized. And then like the actual festival itself was clean. Bizarre. Wow. I, th- I thought class- like festivals here are not clean. <laughs> yeah people just go mad for like three days and like on monday they wake up like what what did i just do yeah yeah um, exactly yeah yeah but like gasmary was such a lovely experience and like all the crowds that i played to were like lovely 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 and i was just playing like solo so i kind of expected you know i don't know what it's gonna be like and might completely fall flat or whatever and stuff, but it's just good to do it and like both crowds i played to were absolutely lovely did you actually stick around for the weekend or was it just kind of like in for the day just for when you were playing? I was playing a festival in Paris before that. And um, so I got in on the Thursday night, got up on Friday morning, like at like 3 a.m. or whatever, drove out to the airport, went to Glastonbury, played two gigs on that Friday. Um, and then I stayed around until Saturday afternoon and then I had to come back because I was playing Body and Soul. Wow, that is, that's so hectic. It was, I, uh, but I, when you're in the middle of it, it doesn't, you're kind of on autopilot for all the traveling bits. And like so much of music is waiting around, but it's not like I'm constantly like in the firing line. <laughs> I mean, like right, so yeah. much of it is like, okay, I have to get to this place. But like, yeah, no, don't get me wrong. It's like quite tiring. And like, I didn't get a proper like night sleep for about a week or whatever. But I mean, I mean. I mean, I was under no more, far less stress than like a new parent or whatever. <laughs> Do you know what I mean, there's, there's much tougher jobs out there. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, did you get to see anybody at, um, not Electric Picnic, at Glastonbury? Yes, I got to see people. I got to see Angel Olsen, which is amazing. Ah. I love her. I got to see Whitney 
also amazing. So I got to see like two bands that are kind of like really high up on like bands that I love. And I got to see Sigrid. Oh. Um, she was very good, and then I got to see a few other, a few other kind of smaller people. But those are like the kind of big people I saw. They're all, they're all like you know hot new bands. Al, I think that I, I don't know about Tastemaker, but you're certainly you're certainly up there. You know. Hey, look, give the job, give the job on the blog. <laughs> um, so like, wh- I can do uh, I can do sing along writings every week. Well, I think that you should definitely consider that. I also think that you should start like a travel blog or a travel vlog or something like that, you know? You need to... Oh, yeah. Uh, it'd just be you waiting around everywhere, waiting on the side of the stage to play. Yeah. I've often thought of like keeping a journal of everything that happens because I forget everything so easily. But I think that if I kept like a traveling blog, it would either be hilarious because it would just be me complaining or else people would just be like, who is this passive aggressive girl on the internet? <laughs> Um, actually passive aggressive is the wrong word it would be like absolutely directly aggressive because you know waiting around in airports and everyone is so infuriating well let's talk about the complaints that like you do have about like travelling from country to country festival to festival like what is it that's annoying is it just like just the actual travelling part of it and the travelling isn't too bad like I'm pretty okay for travelling because I'm quite small so I like and I can kind of just sleep anywhere so I'm okay for that (laughs) But yeah, like sometimes, you know, flights and stuff like that, especially if like, you know, you end up just getting sick all the time because you're constantly in, trapped in a cabin with people. Um, and yeah, like just kind of traveling around a lot can be, can be tiring. But I mean, it's still a great experience. I'd rather be, I'd rather be doing this than anything else. Yeah. Um, and it sounds There are like- a few moments where I'm like, I don't want to go and go to like four different places this week. I want to just stay at home and watch stuff on Netflix. But I mean, I think everybody has that about their job. Is like when you're in that frame of mind, though, is it easy to just get out of it? Like once you're actually on the plane or once you're actually about to go on stage, you like completely forget it and you're enjoying and up for the moment. Enjoying. Yeah, totally. And also when I am at home, like I've been at home for like the last two weeks and I've been bored out of my mind. Oh, really? Yeah, because I'm just like so used to being on the go that I'm just like, what is this? I don't know what I'm going to do like for Christmas. I'm going to lose my mind at Christmas. Go on another tour. Yeah, yeah. I'll be all toured out. I'll uh, be all toured out by Christmas, but yeah. Um, let, uh, yeah, let's talk about what's in store for the rest of the year. You're heading out uh, doing some Irish dates, I think starting in Galway on October 18th. I'm doing October 18th is the Black Box in Belfast. Oh, Belfast, sorry. And then the 19th is Galway, Roche and Dove. And is that just the plan then for the rest of the year? It's like as many dates as possible? Yeah, it's like um, four dates here. So uh, Belfast, Galway, Cork, like Cypress Avenue and Cork, and then Dublin, uh, Whelan's in Dublin. And then I'm going over to the UK and doing... um, a few dates over there finishing up in London and St Pancras Cathedral or Church or whatever so that'll be great and then that's 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 me for the year done oh really finishing up then concentrating on like more writing more studio work yeah yeah so I'll like have like bits to kind of do like back going back and forth to London and writing and stuff like that and demoing but as in yeah that, that's it for me gig wise my it, final gig of the year is St Pancras so that'll be a great way to round off um, uh, you're playing Whelan's as well it must be like 
something really nice and satisfactory about playing such a such an esteemed venue like that that has like you've probably seen loads of like your favorite gigs there as well i presume yeah totally like um yeah it's mental to some of the people who played there like when you, you think about it um but yeah it's like i know i've played that room before but i've never had my own headline slot there so that'll be pretty cool oh wow uh it's and i think like one or two of my friends and my mom might come so i'll have at least three people in the room uh you've got a good uh good support cast as well for this tour uh leisha and rose nutty are going to be joining you too do you want to tell me a little bit about them yeah um leisha i've known her for a while and she came and she supported myself and maria kelly and our joint tour in galway she's just really good like um works really hard her and sean who produces the tracks like they're just like an absolutely unbelievable team so Really, really cool. So really, and she's joining me in Galway and in Cork as well. And then Rosa Nuddy is joining me in Dublin with Leisha, and she's fab. Like she's one of my favorite songwriters, like her and Maria Kelly and people like that. Like they're my favorite kind of songwriters in Ireland at the moment. Uh, and so, like, I mean, just this year, I presume that you've ticked off so many of your goals that you had, like when when you started out playing music and thinking about it as a career. Yeah. Like, do- I've, I've surpassed goals at this stage. I'm like completely, people are like, oh, what were your like kind of big goals? I'm like, oh, I don't know, like play a gig. You know, I never thought it would get to this stage. So that's pretty cool. But is that kind of what you're going to, like when you have so much free time around Christmas and New Year's, when you're working on your uh, New Year's wish list, like are you, are you going to be... Yeah. um like thinking about what you're going to do for next year do you have like goals in mind already that you want to achieve um yeah like as in yeah i think so i mean i always have goals in place but they're kind of they're not specific if you get me like i never kind of went like okay i want to play Gothenburg and i want to do this like as in i always could have been like oh it would be great to play other voices um then i played in the other room last year so that's kind of mental and um, that I got to do that last year because I, I was kind of like I kind of never thought I'd get on the program or anything. I just kind of wanted to play other voices. Yeah. Um, and then I never thought I'd ever be in Glastonbury. I definitely never thought I'd be on like main stage at Bollywood Soul or like any of the good stages at Electric Picnic. So like I mean, I guess it just takes a step further. But I think like my kind of goals now are just like to make it work and like keep writing real good songs. I like, kind of like concentrate kind of on that end of. On, the, on it for a while um, and I'd love to like release an album by the end of next year yeah I kind of want to concentrate less on kind of gigging and going around and gigging and stuff like that and just kind of like let it simmer for a while and concentrate on the actual music which is what it's all about really yeah well like what better way to leave it than there uh, listen mm. thanks a million for, for chatting to me and uh, I hope that like your car is okay and that you're able to do this Irish tour <laughs> yeah, no, I'll I'll have to sort something out, but I, I, I've taken the plunge and told them to order the very expensive part and hopefully everything will be okay for next week. <laughs> Otherwise, we'll just see you like on the side of the road, just thumbing for a lift down to Cork. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Anyone heading to Galway, lads? <laughs> yeah, awful. Uh, uh, yeah, it was looking pretty tragic there for a minute, but I'm just taking the plunge. That'll be fine. Thank you, though. Uh, yeah, thanks a million for the chat and uh, yeah, good luck with everything. Yeah, you too. It'll be, it'll be shocking. And you too. Thanks a lot.